Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode number 64. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I'm thrilled to have Catherine Brown with us. She is the founder of Creating Your Plan and is a productivity and work-life balance coach. Welcome, Catherine. I'm thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm really excited to be here today. Oh, I'm excited you're here too. And I also, I didn't even mention that you're also a mixed media artist, which excites me greatly because my background is in art as well. And oh, I just love all th- things creative. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. So I'd love to hear about your journey, what you're doing now, how you got here, and also about how being a mixed media artist is incorporated with everything that you do. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to share it. All right. So how do you want to get started here? Yeah. Can you share a little bit about your background with us? Yeah, absolutely. My background actually started back this whole coaching and this desire to be of service in that way started way back uh, in corporate. When I was first starting out my career, I was a corporate trainer for a um, manufacturing company in the tech sector back in California. And it was something I really, I loved that connection with people. I loved seeing when those light bulbs went, went off and when those connections got made and they're just like, oh my gosh, you know, this is something I can really implement and use and, and see benefit from. And when that happened, I knew there was going to be something to do with that whole training piece. And so time went on, careers change, shift happens, and, you know, you keep kind of going through your life. And then I ended up, actually incorporating that into uh, professional development where I spent the last 14 years in teaching of technology, both with grownups and with kids. So I had that opportunity to really embrace not only the soft skill side, but the tech side when it came to, you know, that coaching and that training and loved, loved so much about it. But there was a time and many entrepreneurs can speak to this, that moment where, you know, you have something bigger to create, something that belongs to you, something that is part of you that you know that if you don't do something about it, it's just going to shrivel up and die. So I took the leap back in 2014 and started my own business. I was still working 50, 60 hours a week in my day job and uh, knew it wasn't going to be sustainable to do that for a long period of time, but I had my exit strategy. I was working towards building this business on the side to a point where it was definitely trending to that point where it could be my full-time gig. And that transition happened just this past summer. So I'm newly full-time in my own business. Very excited to be doing that. And it's been a great journey so far. Wow. Congratulations. I can't even imagine trying to build this business when I was working 50 to 60 hours a week. I mean, I was, I was doing 40 hours a week when I did it and that was hard. So Kudos to you. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. It, you know, uh, sometimes I surprise myself, but I had, I was on a mission, you know, I knew what I wanted. I was going to make it happen no matter what. Oh, absolutely. And I think all entrepreneurs that when we've got that mission ahead of us, we can do anything that we set our heart out to do. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. So yeah. So back in June, uh, I made that transition. And as soon as I left that day job, I started my first program. I had already been coaching one-to-one. And then I left my day job uh, one Friday and the Monday after my program with 
actual attendees were in there and started my own thing. So it happened very quickly. Oh, wow. So you were all set up, like truly set up when you, when you left your day job. Oh, yes. I am that, I'm that very strange mix of left and right brain. My, my brain just functions in this very, I don't know, very unique fashion. You know, I love like the flow chart. I, it's beautiful to me, but I also love, you know, the idea of lists and idea of really being very systematic, right. And seeing how one thing needs to happen before this other thing comes to happen. You know, it just can't, it just all kind of flows together for me. And so having that plan was something that I had in place back in 2014. I knew, I knew pretty much what I wanted. So it's just a matter of working it. So what tools do you use to help you manage your lists and your plans and your big goals? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And I can tell you that my tools change and kind of, they kind of grow over time. And what I always look for when it comes to tools is I look for what is it that I need the tool to do? I don't look for the latest and greatest gadget to, you know, take all that time, the learning curve and you know, implementing and all that. I much rather look for something that suits what I need without being too robust and too big of too many things to do with it. Right. So I'm very much a hybrid girl when it comes to um, any kind of tool, paper and pen, absolutely my favorite planning tools, having a routine around when that paper and pen get taken out and the planning process happens and the review and that progress monitoring process happens that is what makes goals come true. It is not about the tech tool that you choose. However, there's some great ones out there. Some of my favorites, I love Trello. I like Asana quite a bit. I have clients who use Basecamp because I work in that way with my clients, you know, looking for new tools that have different aspects about them that I think will appeal to them long enough to actually integrate them is the key. It's kind of like, you know, uh, I feel like tools and systems are kind of like when you're dating, right? They're nice and shiny on the outside. And, you know, you're really excited about that the beginning. And then, you know, that that shine wears off after a couple of weeks and you're just like, oh, it's not so much, you know, <laughs> I'm ready for the next one. And especially when they're hard to implement. And so that's one of the things that I, I take very seriously when I go to select a tool for a client or even for myself, I do a lot of, you know, making sure, is it really meeting what I need? Does the, the, here are my criteria. How does that match up? Where am I going to have problems? Where does it overlap with something else? All those things come into play. Oh, absolutely. I have to ask, how much do you think you're enjoying using pen and paper have to do with being a right side and left side? Because I share that with you. I think it is a very key component, but it comes back from my childhood. I was always that way always loved having, and I can't say I love planners. Let me clarify that. I do not love planners. I find them very limiting. So I always create my own. (laughs) And I, I, you know, so I put different pieces together of things that I know work for me. So I always create my own kind of materials, right? But that to me is so important because when I plan, I also graphically and visually have to draw things out. Like when I'm looking at how does something you know, how is the process working for me? Or how am I going to get from A to C? You know, what does B look like? Let me map that out a little bit. Let me do some mind mapping. I need space for all of that. And so pen and paper is just, it's just the best way. I'm over here laughing because I feel the same way about planners. I rarely, no, I can't even say rarely. I haven't found a planner yet that does what I need it to. So I'm actually developing two different planners. 
uh, with my designer, with my graphic designer right now, because yeah, I'm ready for the one that I know I want. You know, and one of the things like I created, and it's funny because I created a planner for myself when I'm still working that 50 plus hours, 60 plus hours a week. I still, I created my own planner. It did not have a date on it and it had no time slots because that's not what a planner to me is. That's an appointment book. If you need an appointment book, get out your phone and use your calendar. But if you need a plan, if you need to map out your next steps, if you need to really have a place to say, how am I going to get, move this ball from here to, you know, halfway down the field, what is that going to look like? There is no planner with, a you know, appointments and time slots and all that, that will accommodate that. So I created something specifically for myself back when I first started. Right. And what it was so funny when I was in that beginning mode and I was trying to think of an opt-in, what should I offer? You know, what could be my free offer to someone to join my list and learn more about what I do? And I'm just like, you know, everyone says, use what you have. So I'm searching through everything. And I'm just like, duh, you know, why don't I just use this planner that I created? So anyway, that was my opt-in and it is still my primary opt-in. The one that is really the most uh, popular out of everything I offer. It's funny still, and I still use it. That's incredible. So would you say that it's almost, is it a hybrid then between a undated, no time slot, conventional planner, and almost like a journal? It is. In fact, part of my planning process is a lot about reflection, a lot about integrating what happened this past week, what's ahead, really being intentional about what being, I guess, paying attention and having a place to record what is happening. So it doesn't get lost in the busyness of living, right? So I incorporate that journaling piece as well. But the planning part, it is undated. I do have it set up. So you have a Monday through Friday and a weekend for sure, but it's not with times. There's no timing on it. It's strictly around the three main things that you're working on and what are the next steps for each of them? And who do you need to be reaching out to? Who is someone that you need to be connecting with this week? Why do you need to be talking to them? So a little bit of relationship management in there. And to me, if you have those pieces together and you're consistently moving that ball forward toward that goal that you know you want, it's just a matter of time. Success will happen. Oh, that's so great. And I know that in the questionnaire for the, for the podcast, you wrote that you have a daily practice and part of it includes positive affirmations and gratitude. So does your planner incorporate that in there for you as well? The um, planner is really a weekly review. It's what I use for my Sunday review practice. I have a Sunday planning ritual, and this is what is part of this. My daily practice is really that, but I just have a journal and I do three things. And I, in this journal, I do my gratitude for sure and being as specific as possible. And sometimes I end up doing it twice a day especially if I'm feeling kind of like overwhelmed or um, feeling kind of stressed about anything, I tend to double up on my gratitude because that puts me in a place of thinking about how abundant my life really is and gets me out of that negative spiral that can happen to so many of us when we focus on the things that are not happening or the things that are not happening as quickly as we want and just re reframe it, get that into a much more positive mindset and really focus in on the things that are happening. And so that ties directly in with what I feel. It's like evidence. Like what is the evidence of the work I'm doing right now is paying off? What is the smallest thing that I can pay attention to? You know, that someone returned my call that I, I'm hoping to work with. Or, you know, 
I have an invitation to, you know, to be on a, a podcast. These are all to me evidence that the work that I'm doing is valued and important. And so it's, a, you know, for me, that's, that's really part of it. Oh, that's so huge. I love all of that. So as a work life balance coach, what are the biggest steps that you are help, helping your clients take to reach that work life balance? And is there, I hate to ask this considering you are a work life balance coach, is there really such thing and what does it look like to you? Ha, great question. Okay. Well, first of all, balance is something that it is a moving mark. What feels balanced one day will feel totally out of balance next week. So balance to me goes back to that really a self-awareness and a practice of paying attention to how you're feeling, to what's happening around you and how it impacts you and the people around you. So I, I believe that a kind of balance can occur in different, it's like a continuum. Sometimes we feel really well balanced, like everything feels like it's in the flow, right? Things just are just very easy. There's the effort does not seem to be so hard. Things just seem like you're sleeping well, um, you're exercising regularly, your ha- your relationships are good, you know, work that you want is coming your way, and it just feels like you're just in that flow, but it's not something that always stays that way because something always falls to the to the wayside, right? Something comes out of balance. We get really busy, so our workouts stop happening, or we eat more fast food. And then our, you know, date nights with our husband fall off the wagon and we forget our son's soccer game and these kinds of things just happen. And so the, the whole thing of having that work-life balance is how do I bring myself back to center to really embracing those things that are important to me? So it's that constant awareness and constant readjustment. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I might be the the host of the show, but you just opened up my eyes, well, not necessarily my eyes, but <laughs> made me aware of so many things. I mean, for example, last night I had to juggle a soccer practice for one son and a choir concert for another that I didn't, I completely forgot was even happening. And then trying to balance getting the three littles fed and in bed and, you know, just all the, the unbalance of being a mom plus all the, the activities for my business. I mean, never mind the date with my husband and sleeping well. And, but I do actually want to touch on sleeping well because there's, there's different people have different thoughts about sleep and how much you should be getting and what sleeping well actually means. So what is your thought about sleep? How many hours do you think people should be getting? And what is your definition of sleeping well? Well, okay. My definition is that we are all wired differently. So what works for you is not going to work for someone else. So I believe that finding out how your best sleep, and it goes back to like, for me, it ties into this whole idea of how do we work best, right? And that is something that is hardwired into each of us. Okay. So when it comes to how much sleep do you need? I think obviously, you know, health statistics say you should have X amount. Well, that could very well be true. Okay. But we know that we can get on, on with less sleep over a short amount of time, but it does really have a problem for us for a long term that we lose all the benefit, right? Because we're not as productive. We're not as, as keyed into the, the work that we're doing. So in my belief, I think consistency of sleep pattern is so much more important than the how much. Oh, that's so huge. I love that. Yeah. So I would say like, for me, I am not a morning person. 
I had to be somewhere this morning for 7.30. That meant I had to be up by 6. And that is not a time frame that I feel I should be up. <laughs> I just don't function well. And, you know, and it takes a whole boatload of coffee to get me really like firing on all cylinders. Okay. This is not a prime time for me to be up and really talking to people. However, you know, get me like this time of the day. Yeah. I'm absolutely, you know, this is my, my zone. So I think it's a matter of being consistent. So if you wake up every day at seven 30 and you go to bed every day at 10 30, if you have that habit, your body adjusts when we get out of balance with our sleep and we tend to get up really early, stay up really late. The next day we sleep in and we, then we can't go to sleep until like two in the morning. And then we have this, this roller coaster effect on our sleep pattern. And then we just don't rest. Well, we don't wake up energized. We wake up just like, Oh my gosh, what? I feel like I've been run over by a truck. You know, I just don't feel like I should be feeling. I've got 10 hours sleep, but I'm still tired is because typically we haven't slept in a kind of a consistent manner. So that's one of my very strong beliefs about sleep. And it doesn't mean you can't sleep in, but it cannot be something that you do repeatedly because you'll never get back in balance with that. Oh, absolutely. And I've noticed that myself. I mean, you can't sleep one or two hours a night for four nights straight and then think that 14 hours is going to make it all better. No, you're in deficit and it takes, you know, of course, I'm not a scientist, but I can tell you from human behavior. And I know for my own self that when I've been pushed to a deadline and I've really had to compact my sleep to, you know, to meet something. I know that it takes more than, you know, sleeping 24 hours straight to, to recover that, that takes time and it takes me getting back into a consistent sleep pattern that works for me. Oh, absolutely. So I am curious about your mixed media art and I would love to know how you have incorporated it into your personal and professional routine to maintain positive productivity. Well, you know what? It is one of these things that as I got into, gosh, into my forties, I rediscovered that I really loved color and like playing with paint. I've always been a creative, but it's shown up in different ways. And so I had, um, I took a class in my forties and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I'm really enjoying it. And I had this goal that I wanted to learn how to draw a stylized portrait, not like realism by any stretch, but I wanted to do a stylized portrait. So I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and, and I could do it. You know, it took time, but, and it took that routine, that muscle memory of here's how a nose is shaped here, how, you know, the spacing of the face, here's how the face is mapped. Here's how I can, you know, all these things, just you practice it and become second nature. So I was kind of in that groove when I first started the attempt to build my website and I was struggling really, really hard with coming up with like a color palette. There's so many choices, right? Like what colors, you know, my first attempt, it looked way too corporate and I'm totally not that. And then what about the fonts? You know, all of these questions were coming up and I'm just like, ugh. It would, I was like stuck for weeks trying to figure out a silly color palette, right? And so I decided that I was just going to put that website on hold and I just got very frustrated and I just said, okay, enough. I can work on something I have control over. That's one of my biggest tips when it comes to being feeling stuck, feeling like you've hit a roadblock, move to something you have control over. 
move to something that it doesn't matter what the result is. Okay. And I guess that would be, that's where the mixed media came in. So my, if you had a camera on me right now, my office is shared with my art studio. So one half is my, my office setup, you know, printer, computer files, all that good stuff. And then my backside of my uh, space here is my art studio. So I actually turned my chair and went to my paint (laughs) and I just started painting. And as I was painting, this image came through and I was using these colors and I'm just like, it just came through. In fact, this girl, this portrait came out of the paint and these colors were right there. And I'm just like, okay, I just found my color that I wanted to use, my color palette. And I also found the kind of the, the fun, whimsical kind of feel I wanted for my website. And that turned out to be the girl that is on my website. She's in my header. So she came out of the paint that day and I grabbed my document camera, grabbed the color palette from my paint as it was drying. And I said, okay, I've got my, I've got my color palette and I know kind of the the feel that I want for my website. It came from that. So it was that stepping into that creative space where it was extremely quiet. There was no noise. It was just me and the paint and just being in that creative space where I could just like, let's, I just needed to play. I just needed to not be so tied up with the result. I was so result driven. I just needed something that was mine and it didn't matter how it turned out. And sure enough, by giving myself that opportunity just to step away, do something that was totally different than just sitting there willing that website to be complete. I just, I took a different route and that process has served me over and over and over again. I love all of that. And I especially love how you said, you know, the logo that you were looking at and the website were just way too corporate. And I think that's a problem that a lot of people have. They're trying to, they're looking at the influences around them and they're not really thinking about what's coming from them and their heart and their soul. And they don't really think to step away and get creative sometimes Or maybe they do, but they're afraid of what others will think. Oh, I was terrified because I had never, ever put my art anywhere. Nobody had ever seen it. Maybe my husband, maybe, you know, some of my family, but it wasn't something I shared with anybody else. And here I was planning on using that image that I had created as my logo in my header on my website. (laughs) It was like, what am I thinking? But that was a huge risk for me. But that risk allowed me just to say, you know what? I don't really care. (laughs) You know, I think it looks good. And the people who will be attracted to what it is that I do will like it too. Oh, absolutely. And those would be your ideal clients probably as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was quite a, it was quite a process, but it was a very powerful lesson for me and one that I go back to whenever I get in that place of frustration and feeling stuck and just like nothing's working. It's all too hard. I can't figure it out. Go make art. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And one hurdle that I found a lot is because I do also have an artistic side that I've tried to do design that maybe I shouldn't have been doing in the first place. And I would have spent way too long on it and then look at it and have just been totally not convinced by what I produced. And then I got the aha that, you know, I could outsource. I didn't need to be doing it myself. So I love how you help your clients build teams with confidence. Can you share that? Can you, can you share some of how you do that? Well, you brought up a really good point there. You know, just because we can do some of the work doesn't mean we should be doing the work. And this is 
coming from someone, and I will call myself this very, you know, matter of factly, I am a control freak. I like things done a certain way. I have high expectations and I, you know, I don't think anybody can do it as well as me. Okay. That is being honest, transparent truth. Now, when it comes to identifying that this is also one of not only because I'm very, you know, able to do many things, it is also a very big weak spot for me because I will slow down my growth if I don't outsource certain things. I work with my clients around this specific thing because you can only get to a certain point in your business if you are doing everything yourself. You will hit that ceiling, you will tap out, you will burn out. And you will not be able to grow your business because you're so busy working in it, doing the work of the business, as opposed to doing the work to grow your business. So my strategy with, I I work very closely with those kinds of solopreneurs who may be just in the process of building a team. They may have already hired someone. And what we do through a lot of, you know, kind of assessment process is we identify how are they utilizing the people that they do have available to them, either via outsourced, you know, uh, or actual on-staff employees and really getting clear, are they, do they number one, have the employees in the right spot in the business to really help grow that business? That's number one. And number two, are they utilizing them to the best of their ability? And that comes back to really having a clear idea about what work needs to be done within the business has it been documented? So it's really workflows have been identified, systems have been really uh, mapped out. And then, you know, operating procedures have been written to be able to replicate that process to a high degree of excellence. So it's repeatable. And then that business owner can start feeling confident that once that training has been done, she can now just be doing more spot checking on what that employee is doing rather than micromanaging the day-to-day operations. Have you found much resistance in the practice of creating standard operating procedures? Yes. Why do you think that happens? Because I've run into the same resistance and I know it's a time-consuming practice up front, but in the in the back end or in the future, those documents are going to be worth so much and save so much time. And I think it's a combination of things. One is they don't see the value in them. They think this is just common sense. Well, I am sorry to tell you that it is, it may very well be common sense for you about what needs to happen. Every tiny micro step that needs to happen might be common sense for you because you've been doing it for X amount of years. It's second nature to you. But for someone who is not as invested in her business as an employee or an outsourced person is, unless they have a roadmap that specifically shows them every step along the way, you will not get the results that you want. You will have disappointed clients. You will have expectations that are not being met. You're going to have to mediate them and you're going to waste time. So a lot of this is, it's kind of carrot and stick, you know, instead of just throwing your employee here, just, you know, I'll train you, but you better take really good notes. You're setting yourself up for disaster. You're setting yourself up for unsatisfied customers and clients. If you want to have a stellar business where you get referral after referral and word of mouth is just like working with her is golden because I get, I don't care who she has me working with. I get this awesome result every time. That's what we want. That's what good business is built on. Oh, absolutely. Who, I can't remember, is it Ritz Carlton that they have like their standard for how everything is done? 
I think they have a name for it. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But every person knows, you know, this is how we operate. And that's really how it should happen. Yeah, it's translating that that culture, right? Your culture for your business is so important. Even if you're just a team of three, right? That culture, and you want to really indoctrinate the people that are brought on board, even if they are outsourced, they're not employees on payroll, they need to be indoctrinated to what your value system is, what you believe to be true about your business and and the level of service you provide and the quality of product that you provide. If they are not on board, they're not, and they're not willing to, you know, to really, uh, you know, someone said, you're asking them to drink the lemonade. And I said, absolutely. Or Kool-Aid. Absolutely. I want them to be all in and understand why this is so important. They need to see the bigger picture. It's not just do this, do that. Why is this important? What is the benefit of doing it to that degree every time and using these SOPs every time you do that particular workflow until you master it? And I know some people could be concerned that they are writing the documents that allow other people to take their jobs. But in the end, Yes, because if you write that document, it allows you to move up sooner in the organization because you have all the documents laid out that somebody else can can do your job so you can progress. Absolutely. And if you are in a position of leadership within your own organization or within someone else's, if you can find a way to make your job almost obsolete, which makes you even more valuable because you are helping grow leaders within your organization, it is it sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? But it's actually showing what an amazing leader you are because you're helping bring people up who can be doing this job. You're helping uh, pave that way by really having solid uh, documentations about your systems and processes. Oh, absolutely. Catherine, have you read Work the System? I think it was by Sam Carpenter. You know what? The name sounds familiar. I don't know if I've read it though. He has a, and I, I need to make sure that that's the correct author, but I'll put it in the show notes. He he had an, a call center company and he, he was struggling a lot. He ended up, I believe, losing his house and having to live out of the, the storage room in the back or, or maybe he didn't lose his house, but he was, he was doing so many jobs that he ended up sleeping in the storage room. That might be the more correct story. But then he realized that it was just the aha moment that he really needed those SOPs. And he actually gave incentive to his team to improve them, like a monetary incentive, I believe. And those procedures got his business running so smoothly that I think by the time of writing this book, he was down to maybe being able to work four hours a week, just checking in and making sure that everything is going well. And that's so huge because his team knows how to do everything, even when he's not in the office. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that whole ability to have someone else be able to step in and do the job in a pinch, that can't happen without having written documentation that is so well laid out and walks someone through the whole process from beginning to end. That can't happen. It, you know, if it does happen, it doesn't happen very well. Oh, right. Absolutely. So what are you working on right now, Catherine, that you are especially excited about? One of the things that I have had percolating in the background and something I really wanted to do was to have a membership site. It is something that not everyone can work with a coach one-to-one. I mean, it's hard, you know, first of all, to say, okay, I can, you know, investing in this way is a a good move for me right now. Sometimes you just need a little bit of personal accountability. You need someone to say, hey, you've got this. Those steps look awesome. 
I'm going to check in with you midweek. And so I've gone ahead and I'm putting together the final touches of a membership site that will allow people to be able to step into a more productive mindset because there is a space that I'm holding for them to do that accountability and to have uh, a little mini course released every month that will offer them more and more uh, ability to do, to work on systems, to really figure out how to optimize, how to leverage what they have already. I'm a big believer in use what you have and do everything you can with it before you say, I'm ready for this tool. Let's look at what you've got first. And so building that uh, membership site and then building it a couple other levels above it. So it's kind of a tiered thing. So there's going to be another two levels of which will offer a different level of one-to-one with me. It just feels like a really good combination of a way for someone to step into something at a very low entry level and also give people an opportunity to work with me more closely. Oh, that sounds so fantastic. So I know it's it's not launched yet. So where can listeners go to find out more about you and what you're doing now? And I'm sure that when the membership site launches that you'll have news on your site absolutely. announcing it. Yeah, absolutely. My website, of course, is creatingyourplan.com. I have um, a Facebook uh, group, the Implementation Cafe, which would probably, between the two, you'll be get the double dose from news on that. But that will be probably the best way to learn more about what I do for one and also to get first dibs on the membership site when it rolls out. Oh, that sounds so fantastic. And is the group open? The group is open. It is. Oh, fabulous. Yep. In fact, that group is going to be the, the basic level, which will be free access to the group. Plus, uh, they will also have the opportunity to um, get the monthly. We're going to be doing monthly challenges and access to the challenge in a recorded way so they can go back and revisit the material. So they, there is a membership level that will be free as well as some paid levels above that. So really excited about that. Oh, that's fantastic. You can look for my name over there later today. (laughs) Awesome. Looking forward to it, Kim. Yes, as am I. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for being here today. I've I've really enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure the listeners have as well. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I love talking about this stuff, especially as someone who shares that, that whole positive productivity mindset for sure. And that creative avenue of really digging into what makes this work, right? Oh, definitely. And I definitely want to talk in the future more about how, how we work when we're, when we've got both the left and right brains reaching for our attention constantly, because it definitely can be a struggle. I call it chronic idea disorder. Oh yes. And I have a system for that. (laughs) Oh, I definitely need to hear about that. So you can consider this an invitation to come back so we can talk about that system. Oh, I would love it. I would absolutely love it, Kim. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you. And thank you to the listeners for being here for another episode of Positive Productivity. I invite you to share this episode across all your social media. And if you enjoyed it, please visit the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes and leave your rating and review. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. 
I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.